Welcome to Choosing Leadership and this is another episode of the Investor's Lens series with your host Somit Gupta. This series will look at leadership from the point of view of an investor or a VC. In each episode of this series, we will explore what traits, behaviors or red flags investors see in their founders that they work with and how founders evolve over time as they grow and become better leaders. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to create organizations where people get to do the work of their lives. Together, let us do our bit to create a world where all of us can show up as leaders. With that, let us get started. Vignesh is a managing partner at Artha99 Investment Partners with a background in strategy, M&A and corporate finance. In the interview, Vignesh highlights the importance of being okay with not knowing as that is the only way you can learn. He likes to invest in nice people with ethics of the highest order and good people skills. We talked about the importance of sales as it is what puts money in your bank and we also talked about the quote that success has many fathers but failure is an orphan. Hi Vignesh, welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi Sumit, uh, thanks for having me here. You're most welcome. And before we get started, can you share a little bit about who you are and what do you do? So, <clears throat> very quickly, I am, like you just said, I'm Vignesh Shankar and I run a venture capital fund out of India. It's called uh, Artha 99 or A99 in short. So, we believe this is the Indian growth century and this fund was specifically set up to invest, catalyze businesses in the Indian ecosystem for the Indian growth century. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a bit more of your backstory and how you yeah. got here? Yeah, basically, I come from a finance background. I finished my chartered accountancy in the early 2000s. I'm not going to tell when. So business and doing transactions have always interested me more than auditing and accounting. Though I did my CA, I ended up working largely on the transaction side. So I've been part of PricewaterhouseCoopers in their diligence team and their risk management team. And after that, I was with HP Emphasis for some time. So this... I've always been a bit entrepreneurial. Maybe it's my, what do you say? I can call that my need to constantly see what I visualize and act at. And when you work in a closed environment, it's not very possible. So generally, I so I went out and set up my own uh, boutique M&A advisory firm. And this was way back in uh, 2008 in Chennai. Why I did that? Because see, access to boardrooms in uh, any in any geography was more available because you had a deal to discuss, you had an inorganic growth strategy and the other consultings didn't open up such doors. So, and with considering my background, I wanted to set this up. So I set up a boutique investment advisory firm. We did very well. So we ha- I ran it for about 10 years. We had a good run. We closed deals just of $500 million. And then subsequent uh, to that, a lot of companies, Stanley Black & Decker, Verizon, other Alliance Industries, LNT, some majors, we had this large group called Stanley Black & Decker, who we were consulting with them as well. They wanted to grow more in India because India was had become a point where everyone had to come. This is 2014, 2015. So they were very interested in their story and they hadn't grown as per their anticipation. We got them in 2009 and in 8-9 years, they hadn't grown much. They were a bit stagnant. So the president of the business was nice enough to say that I was helping them do an acquisition here. They said, uh, we are okay to do the acquisition, but we need management bandwidth. So why don't you join us too? So this was a strange situation where a banker would generally say, if you buy this company, takes the commission and goes away, was asked to 
run the business as well. I thought it was a good challenge because, see, long term, I wanted to be doing what I'm doing now in investing venture capital or private equity. So we largely need two things that sort of help you. One is the ability to buy and sell at the right time. And two is knowing the business deep down. So I had got the first aspect of it because of my investment banking background. The second aspect is a more, much more important and difficult thing because you have to run a business, you have to know what can go wrong. And manufacturing was what SBD was doing was a bit of uh, a challenge, right? Manufacturing is always challenging because there are people issues, machine issues, there are ecology issues abound, you know, customer issues and product, everything. So that's a good challenge. And I was also, I like to take, I like to be uncomfortable in the sense that not that Someone has to make me uncomfortable, but you know, I always feel that you get better if you put yourself in a bit of an uncomfortable role or a situation. So I said, okay, I took up that role. I took up the business and he was doing about 10, 11 million dollars of revenue. And I had a target that we should get it organically and organically to from about 85, 90 crores to almost 1000 crores. That was the target that I told my bosses just then also. I spent four years almost in that business. We grew it from about 85 crores, INR. To almost about 325, 350 crores in 2021, uh, organically also and a bit inorganically also. And then we had given out a large uh, acquisition letter of offer to a large player in India. I cannot disclose the name, but so that they were doing another uh, 600 crores or like so put together, I hit that uh, sort of the target. So in, during COVID, I felt there was a lot of fear in the market and it's a good time to buy, invest either in public equities or in uh, private investments. So I set up a small fund with the uh, permission of my SBD team saying, I want to try this out more as a passion project. So me and a couple of my friends got together. We invested about a million dollars in uh, setting up a small fund. We looked at almost 45, 50 deals and I led the investment process. Four of them we invested. Three of them have done very well. So that gave me the confidence in 21 to say, buy to a short-lived employment mm -hmm. and then get back to doing what I'm doing. So we have been largely successful. We have already made uh, two investments. We are a $15 million or 100 crore uh, fund in India. And we have made two investments in diverse spaces. We're looking for more. That's the background. I hope I didn't take too much time. No, no, thank you for sharing that. I think it's, it's wonderful to hear these two perspectives, right? So one is of finance, accounting, and making sure you understand the business. But the second is like of entrepreneurship, of dealing with people, dealing with emotions, which is very unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. So can you share what were your biggest learnings like when you started your own thing as an entrepreneur? This may sound a bit cynical, but the if, I, if you ask me what is my biggest learning is uh, never assume that you know everything mm. and always open up to the fact you know nothing. See, I'll tell you, even with the VC fund here, right? Uh, yes, I can invest in a fintech business. I can invest in a manufacturing business. I've run those business. But there's a vast uh, unknown sitting outside, right? So as long as you know that you know what you don't know and you're okay for help, that is always going to help you. That is a big learning. So don't have presumption to assumptions. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's super insightful or super relevant to my work also. Because many times people ask me, when does a coaching like intervention doesn't work? And the only answer is that when the person is not open to receiving help, when the person has that, I know it all, right? Or I have done it before. So with your investments, right? Or with your conversations with founders or those young leaders, what are you seeing? How do you see this openness to learning while at the same time being confident or being certain about what they're trying to do in the market? That's a pretty deep question and very relevant question to what we do. 
See, as a fund, we have a team that is like Total Years India, right? But apart from that, there are a few deal clinchers that tell us, okay, we should invest in this business. So one is my or my teams or our synchronization with the founders. Okay. So we like founders who are, who are nice people. Okay. Mm. People skills is very important. I am happy investing in someone who is a bit heavy on what he's doing because he's proud of it. I'm very okay with that. But we generally don't invest where we are given term sheets and said, this is the valuation at someone else's company. I want to have that conversation. Okay. So I want to sit across and judge and ethics of the highest order is something that we look forward in all our investments. So largely, right, founders and their leadership skills are something that determine as to whether we invest or not, even if the business is a phenomenal business, right? So that is something that we are really focused on. And of course, the business models, etc. the usual stuff happens, but we do not compromise on these two things, founder sync and the ethics that come along with integrity or something we look at. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because that is a very felt thing, right? That's not something which you can measure. You have to spend time to understand that. You're never going to understand it over an Excel file. So. Yes. Are there all the are there also any red flags or traits that you that you like you step away from? So someone who tells me that you give me the money and I can find more people who can give you an exit. That is yes, I want an exit. I want to make money. That's why we are not doing this. But I wanted to make it the nice way. And someone tells me that you don't worry, the next round Agora will come, you can get off and we will, that is something that doesn't work. And the second thing is the openness, like you asked me in the earlier question, the openness to learn it from anybody. Certain founders that we have met are phenomenally intelligent people, but they are very closed. For example, when you tell them that, hey, you, you bring all the technology, but you need a sales guy. You need someone to go up. He may, he need not know your technology. He's like me. He, I bring the money bags. He brings the customers to you. As long as we're able to sell, you need to get, they say, no sales ki kya hai, product SI product will. So that is something that we are very watchful of. You need to know that you have a restriction in terms of certain key segments and you should be open to bring people on. So that is actually a very good, important quality of leadership, right? You can't assume that you can run everything. Right? Yeah. So that is something that we also are very uh, watchful of. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think beyond asking for help, you mentioned a very important point, which is sales. And many times if you have a founder or if you have a leader from the technical or the product world, they even have an aversion to sales, right? So can you share your perspective on, on sales or like those kind of person to person contact? What role does that play? Yeah. See, I'll tell you, I have been blamed a lot for this. Even when I was in sales, Stanley, the operations and the finance guy would tell me, oh, you always uh, put the sales on a cushion and uh, you are not like brutal on them, even though they have missed their numbers, stuff like that. See, I'll tell you one thing. At the end of the day, if you look at the T format of a balance sheet, what puts money in your bank is sales. Okay, So it's one of the most critical functions that you do. Yes, there may be shortfalls. There may be a incorrect way of doing it, but... Sales is very important because sales needs three or four very essential skills that the other segments generally don't need to display. You need to have exceptional people skills because at the end of the day, you're convincing someone on the other side to invest or to buy your product. The second thing is, I wouldn't say you need 100% product knowledge, but you should need to understand why the customer is even talking to you. The understanding skills is also again interpersonal, right? You need to know why he is talking to you, why he wants to. Understanding his pain points is very important. Empathy, stuff like that. And the third thing is you're, you are the biggest brand for your company. See, you may hire Ishwara or a Virat Kohli to stand in front of a 
camera and do your fun but who's the biggest brand who's going to your customer your sales guys okay so having considered this and they need to show a lot of leadership you know there are a lot of places even leadership means swallowing your own ego right so these guys swallow your ego at even the you cannot go inside wait for two hours they are swallowing their pride and ego for you man and they're displaying unbelievable leadership they're showing do taking it for the team okay so i think uh, these are some critical aspects and i'm always a big fan of sales because you know of all these things thank you for adding that i think nothing beats business fundamentals and like you cannot Absolutely. run a business without acknowledging that like as a ceo you are the face of the company and then cash is the oxygen on which cash is king. Runs. cash is king yeah. Yeah. yeah so if you don't have a plan to bring in cash all right there there are some very hard questions facing you whether yeah. you want to see it or not correct yeah and sales guys as such are if you see because of the interpersonal skills they have a high level of empathy for the business also when you go to them and say because of we want to invest more in the business they show a lot of empathy because they expect others to show empathy to them okay so they are actually you ask me one of the nice guys in the business <laughs> yeah and coming to the journey it's not just the beginning mm. phase when you invest your journey involves mm. the successes as well as failures so how have you seen leaders deal with both successes and failures what are some of those pitfalls along the way see i'll tell you they, they say like this which they have said years ago holds success has got many fathers okay failure is always an orphan okay this attitude you can see even in most early stage companies when there's a big round of investment that is raised everybody is very happy and it's a collaborative success now and when the business starts dropping for whatever reason the sales drop you know it is stuck on to the founders now so what i look for is generally we ask this question as part of our i would say diligence when we have a conversation so where did you feel that you have done a very ordinary job but you got extraordinary success and when you did an extraordinary job but you got very ordinary success how do you handle both people who are in the center okay not swaying either side are largely people who will take most things in their stride and who will take one for the team that's that's a proven uh, uh, what do you say metric if you ask me and also as long as they are very upfront about why something failed and why they failed and decision they were able to bring a logic into why they failed it's always something that the investors will back we'll be with you we will say okay no worries abhi same way unexplained success if you claim credit for something that you didn't anticipate but you think that you have a magic wand which whips up that's also a very dangerous thing largely if you are able to have a logic to what you're doing p everyone can be wrong two things are never wrong what your wife tells you and your data okay so as long as your data is telling you certain things and you are able to understand why you failed or succeeded then it's a very good place to be yeah yeah thank you for sharing that i think separating out the data but then also both with failure right it, there is a tendency to over punish yourself or to over criticize mm-hmm. yourself especially as Correct. leaders who have this huge responsibility but even during success like it can really get on your head that's an interesting point i'll tell you one thing i'm sorry for interrupting see if you are willing to take and give the success largely to distribute the success that also is a very good mark for a leader see i have seen uh, young kids in pwc who assume responsibility for some of the ppts that have gone wrong but there will be people at the partner levels who will not own up this is like yeah that's why it's not to mention pwc but generally so that's also an excellent marker for you to actually see if someone's going to have the potential to carry you through yeah and how do you communicate or how do you help your founders grow in some of these skills which are not taught per se in any business school or which are very human skills which you learn from experience 
See, I'll tell you one thing. Most startup founders are very positive of their baby, which is very normal, right? Anyone will be positive of something that they have built with all their flesh and blood. So we tried as much as possible to be passive investors. When I say passive, we have like a off-the-shelf kind of support system that we provide for all our investments. For example, it may be as simple as getting you a lateral hire. We think some CFO is good. We tell you this guy is going to be good for business. Or let's say you want to open up your doors in Southeast Asia or Singapore. I have personally run business in Asia. So I will connect you, stuff like that. So there is a bouquet of, you want to write your business plan in a better way. You want to get your next round of funding. So these things are standard available for these guys always. So whenever I invest, I tell them, see, these are things that we do. But if you feel that I'm going to be intrusive and I will tell you how it is done, no. So we are very passive with that. A lot of leaders respond, start responding to it. A lot of founders start responding to it. The moment they see traction for what you're helping them with. Let's say you get them an excellent guy. Then they open up completely to you. They are like, okay, now this has, he knows why he's helping. He's our guy. Like that I've seen. And what is the biggest success for you if you're able to open a sales door for a founder? The moment, let him do even a thousand dollars sale. He'll be extremely happy and he'll open up you to bigger strategic issues. And that's where you board and you grow the business along with it. So that's something that we have done always and we continue to do. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And how do you manage your own relationship with the founders? Does it present some difficult, uncomfortable moments? See, there is no fun in a relationship without difficult, <laughs> uncomfortable moments. See, you start off on a difficult note, right? When you are uh, haggling on the valuation. Then yeah. until you get a sense as how much, what kind of uh, fun you can have. See, as long as uh, founders feel that you are uh, adding value to you, they may argue with you. They will always mm-hmm. try to reason out with you. The moment you are not so reasonable with your demands, like for example, you say you have to talk to me every month, tell me what's happening every week I want to call. They're like, I'm here to do business. I'm not here to give a standing <laughs> report to you. This is not MNC. So there are a lot of uncomfortable moments. Like for example, when you feel that the strategy is not working, when you tell them, I think you should maybe look at this, you should invest more. They may not like it. There are founders who tell us that we really respect your views, but leave the business to us. There are people who just shake their head and do nothing about it also. So this is always this part of the cycle. The good ones are who have an open argument with you or reasoning out with you. That it really helps because it helps me understand what they're saying. It helps them understand from where I'm coming. So that's yeah. what I would say. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So you shared earlier that this is something which you always wanted to do. Can you share what is your vision? What is your why behind it? And where are you headed? Okay, see, this is a sort of a interesting story. See, one reason why I wanted to do venture capital, I've written my blog also is, see, when you finish your, your CA, right? Mm-hmm. Most One of the most sought out, what do you say, uh, areas of success are investment banking or venture capital. Fortunately or unfortunately, very few get to go there. Okay. So I'm one of the ones who was rejected. Let's say I applied to quite a few investment banks and mm. to the capital firms back then. See, then they were even lesser. Now there are a lot of VC firms. So from then I was like, it is also like my ego sort of got hurt. I'm very thankful that I was not accepted right away because I wouldn't have organically discovered this path to this. Second thing is just one word on why I'm doing this, this glorious country called India. Let me tell you, I have run a business across Asia, reported to the US, worked in the UK, done everything. There is no place today on earth where you are going to see significant 
massive growth like you will see in india see not that other places are bad lovely places good place with business but the kind of energy the vibe the ecosystem we have all nonsense also but in spite of that bliss and chaos okay mm. so they say it's massive in india and you see the tech stack that even a government has built huh? you have npci you have ondc which i go which i think is going to put everyone from gaon gaon se on e-commerce platform ondc and they have this credit enablement network which is going to make availability of credit easily available so this kind of energy you saw me one more market somewhere smith so i would i will tell you i'll come and invest along with you there but that's that one word and my earlier craving for running a vc firm that's why i'm doing that thank you thank you for sharing that and before before we start to wrap up as you do your job what gives you the most joy and satisfaction at the end of the day the fact that you are making a difference even though you are just giving money but the fact that you are making a difference that gives you a lot of joy and also anyone who has done a m&a transaction or who has done that will tell you the biggest high that you can get does not come from alcohol or from other things it's a it's a high of doing a deal and getting your clients or getting your university companies go ahead those two people slot and of course my wonderful team i have a very nice team put together yeah thank you for sharing that i think that's a wonderful like like a place to end also the high i think i think leadership or life can actually give you that high which we often seek in alcohol or drugs and then when yeah, that yeah. happens naturally uh, that it's not superficial right it's very deep it's very right. meaningful and it lasts right you can look back 20 years and be grateful of something which happened there and it can cheer you up today and disclaimer i hope this is a pg 13 show i've spoken about alcohol drugs <laughs> so pardon me for that <laughs> no no worries i love how open and honest you were thank you vignesh for everything that you shared yeah. uh, how can anybody who is listening and wants to find out more about what you're doing connect with you my website is there it is www.artha99.vc that is one thing or you can write to me vignesh at artha99.vc i'm very happy to see we only grow by like i told you from the beginning i know i don't know a lot of things so i'm happy to build a network and learn. so i should thank you for having me on board that's a nice i like talking so you got me talking so very good thank you thank you vignesh for sharing what you thank shared you. and everything Pleasure. that you do Pleasure. i think capital and money is one of the best ways we can like incentivize or we can empower young entrepreneurs and thank you for playing a role there pleasure cheers man pleasure that's it for this episode of choosing leadership with sumit gupta i choose leadership every time i record this podcast and i invite you to do the same i invite you to design a life of joy meaning pride and satisfaction This is what I do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light to help you see what you are already capable of If you like the sound of it go ahead and subscribe your thumbs ups ratings and reviews mean a lot to me and my team I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and thank you for listening Always remember that you are enough you are loved and you matter This is Sumit and until next time keep choosing leadership